Good morning. Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from John's Gospel, the ninth chapter, beginning with the first verse. And it is our custom at King's to stand when we read the scripture. So if you are able at this time, please stand with me as I read to you the ninth chapter of John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who have seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. 
Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and what you teach us, and they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Now, if we were in church, I would invite the children forward and we would have our children's sermon. And I would tell them the story of the six blind men and the elephant. It seems as though an elephant came to a town where all the people in the town were blind. And they had never experienced an elephant. They had only heard about elephants. So they chose six men to go and examine the elephant and find out what exactly an elephant was like. So the first man stood next to the elephant and he reached up and he felt the elephant's flapping ear. And it was leathery and thin and moved back and forth. He said, oh, an elephant is very much like a leaf, a big leaf, like a fig fan. The next man who was right next to him reached out and he put his hand on the elephant's tusk. And he felt that it was hard and round and came to a point at the end. He said, oh no, an elephant is, is very much like a spear, a long and hard spear. Well, the next man was next to the elephant's leg and he bent down and he wrapped his arms around the elephant's leg and he said, oh no, an elephant is very much like a tree. I feel, I feel as though this is the, the bottom of a tree, like a log. Well, the next man was standing next to the side of the elephant and he put his hand up and he felt that long, flat side of the elephant and he said, oh no, an elephant is very much like a brick wall wide and tall and solid. And the last man, he reached around behind the elephant and he caught hold of the elephant's tail. And he said, oh no, an elephant is very much like a rope. I'm sorry, he wasn't the last man. There was one more man, one more blind man. And he was all the way up at the very front of the elephant and he got a hold of the elephant's trunk. And he said that the elephant was very much like a snake, that it could weave around and curl and wriggle like a snake. 
Well, the six men went back to the village and they argued. One said snake, one said spear, leaf, tree, brick wall, rope. And the people of the village never got to experience, never understood what an elephant truly was because nobody had the ability to put together the big picture. And that's what today's Bible story is about, I would say to the children. Today is about the big picture, seeing beyond ourselves, being seeing beyond the immediate and looking for the long-term vision of God. Well, that brings me to today's scripture. And, and I wanna to talk to you first about blindness. See, blindness comes in several varieties. There's people who cannot see, like the man in the Bible story. He was born blind. He could not see. But then again, there's people who won't see. And there's people who choose not to see. And then there's people that we say have selective attention. They, they only see what they want to see. Helen Keller was once asked if being blind was the worst affliction in the world. And she said, no, not half as bad as having two good eyes and seeing nothing. Jesus comes to the blind man and he does several things for us. Uh, for me, this is a spilt milk moment. See, the Pharisees want to place blame. They want to fault find. They want to establish a causality. And you know what? Finding out who spilled the milk or why the milk was spilled or how the milk was spilled will not help clean up the spilt milk. It's like the little girl who was riding her bicycle and uh, she didn't see it in a low-hanging low branch and her head met one another. And she raced home and she cried, Mommy, 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 Joey hurt me. Joey was her little brother, and her mom said, Joey couldn't possibly hurt you. Joey is at the grocery store with his dad. And the little girl said, you mean bad things could happen at any time for no reason? Bummer. See, yes, bad things can happen at no time, at, at any time, for no good reason. There is sometimes no good reason for blindness or illness or injury. Sometimes bad things happen. And then we who believe in the power of God, we wait for God's response. We wait for Jesus' touch. We wait for the hands of the church to reach out to us. Reminds me of a, a joke about heaven, and you know that I like to collect jokes about heaven, and this is a new one I just picked up. Three people died, and they went to heaven. They were greeted at the gate by St. Peter, and he got called away, and they had to wait. And they waited and waited and waited, and finally St. Peter came back. And he said to the first person, I, I'm sorry that you had to wait. Did you mind waiting? And the, the first person said, well, no, St. Peter, I I gave my heart to Jesus when I was a small child, and I have been looking forward to this my whole life, waiting a little bit longer, was not a problem. St. Peter says, wonderful, I just have one more question for you. Before you can get into heaven, please spell the word God. 
And the person smiled and they said, capital G-O-D. And Peter said, come into heaven. He said to the next person, did you mind waiting? And they said, no, St. Peter. I have believed in Jesus and I know that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. He says, what's a few minutes waiting when you have eternity in front of you? And St. Peter said, wonderful. Before you come in, I have a question for you. Would you please spell the word God? And he said, G, he said, no, capital G-O-D. St. Peter said, come on in. He said to the last person, did you mind waiting? And indignantly, the person said, yes, I minded waiting. I've been waiting my whole life, waiting in line at the grocery store, at the bank, at the DMV. All I seem to do is wait. And finally, when I get to heaven, I have to wait some more. St. Peter said, well, I'm sorry that you had to wait. Before you come into heaven, I have one more question for you. Spell Conchahokan. So friends, the story, the point of that story is, is very easy. We need to learn God's timing. God's timing, Jesus said, this man was not blind because of anyone's fault, but that it might show the glory of God. In this difficult time when we are uh, sheltering in place as per our governor's order and not seeing our loved ones, not fellowshipping with the family of God, not going to work with our, our friends and our family and our co-workers. Jesus comes to us in this Bible story and says, there are two facts you need to know. And the first one is this, Jesus is God. We talked about this in last week's sermon that John makes it a point seven times in his gospel to have Jesus utter the words, or to report Jesus uttering the words, I am, ego ami, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Yahweh, I am, so that Jesus undeniably says, I am God. And then what does he do? He bends down and he spits in the mud, dirt and makes mud. And out of that mud, he creates sight for the blind man. It's reminiscent of Genesis when God takes clay, molds it into the shape of a man and breathes into it. And the Hebrew says that the man became a nefesh chaya, a living animated being, that God breathed life. He made something out of nothing. And he causes this man to see out of nothing. Jesus says, I am. And then he creates He again reiterates, though, that we as human beings have free will because he he puts the man on the, the mud on the man's eyes and tells him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now, there's another biblical language joke going on here. Jesus, the one who was sent by God, sends the blind man to the pool called Sent, And if the blind man is obedient, he'll come back with his sight. It's very reminiscent of Naaman and Elijah when Naaman was told to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman said, "Uh, do we not have rivers in my own country? Why should I wash in this river? And the servant said, well, if he had told you to do some great act, would you have done it? So Naaman washed one, two, three, four, five, six times, no change, and seventh time, The leprosy was gone. So the blind man, blind from birth, 
with the mud, or dare I say the clay, the wet clay from the creator, on his eyes, goes to the pool called scent and comes back seeing. See, the second thing that Jesus wants us to know is that no matter where we are, no matter who we are in relationship to God, we always have a choice. The blind man could have said, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm not doing it. Or he could have done what he did and said, yes, I'll go. And he received the blessing of God. Now, I I want you to think about this for a moment because Jesus healed several people of blindness in the Bible. This man was healed with mud and there was another blind man who was healed just by touching. And what would happen one day if these two blind men who now could see met and they began to build a Frenchman, a friendship as they shared in the the vision of a sunset and a sunrise and the beautiful flowers and the creation of God and grandchildren. And then one day, the one blind man says to the other, well, how did Jesus heal you? And he says, well, he put mud on the ground and put it on my eyes and I washed in the pool of Siloam. And the other blind man said, well, that's not how he healed me. All he did was touch me and, and told me that I could see. And the Blind man, the first blind man said, but if he didn't do mud, then how did you get healed? And the second guy said, well, if he didn't just touch you, how did you get healed? And the first guy said, well, if he didn't do it with mud, then you are still blind. And the second guy said, if he didn't just touch you, then you are still blind. And they formed the first two denominations, the Mudites and the Anti-Mudites. See, sometimes, people, we get so blinded by what we think is right and wrong, we miss the blessing of God. Now, in this story, the two men were fighting over what was the right way to be healed, to receive their sight, rather than celebrating together that they had received a blessing from God. They lost sight of the healing of God. Jesus can heal us in his time and in his way. The story is told of a World War I veteran who had lost both of his legs in the war, and he was going into the Lord's cathedral to be healed. And a person mockingly said, is he praying for new legs? And the soldier turned around and said, no, I'm praying to learn how to live without them. God calls us to be healed in his way and in his time. What we're looking at here is God's perspective as compared to man's perspective. I want you to hear this. God suffers with us and sometimes he suffers with us in silence. Jesus referred to God as his father, And I I want to tell you a true story. I was a trauma chaplain at Abingdon Hospital in the late 80s. And one night I was called to the ER for a trauma. And a young man had had been in a horrible motorcycle crash. Uh, They don't know exactly how it had happened, but his motorcycle had been pushed up against the cement median. 
His leg had not only been broken, but it was a compound fracture. And when he came into the hospital, the bone was visibly sticking out of his leg. They wheeled him into the trauma room. I had the opportunity to pray with him. And he said his father was on the way, that the ambulance had called his father and he would be there any moment. And I greeted his father at the door and I told him what was going on. And the father pushed past me just as the doctor was telling the young man that they had to put the bone back inside of his leg and that it was going to hurt. This father ran to his son, grabbed his hand, looked him in the eye and said, son, stay with me. And while they put the bone back into place, the father and the son with their hands locked and their eyes locked, wept and cried together through the excruciating pain. God suffers with us, sometimes in silence. God hopes for us. He wants us to see the big picture. I love this story. Earl Weaver was the manager of the Baltimore Orioles in the middle 70s, and he had an upstart play on his team named Reggie Jackson. And Earl Weaver's rule was that you couldn't steal base without permission of one of the coaches. You had to receive the sign to steal. Well, Reggie, being Reggie, who later became the Mr. October with the Yankees, one day saw the opportunity to steal, and without a sign, he went running from first to second. He arrived at second base with time to spare, as he stood up and patted the sand off of his uniform, he gave that know-it-all young man smirk to the dugout. The manager didn't say anything. And then later, after the game was over, he took Reggie aside and he said, Reggie, you uh, stole without a sign. And Reggie said, yes, I did. I saw the opportunity. I knew the pitcher. I knew his patterns. And, and I did. He said, well, Reggie, let me tell you what, what that means to me. He said, you stole second, and the batter behind you was really successful against this pitcher. And because first base was open, that gave him the opportunity to be walked, and he never got the chance to hit. He said, and then the guy behind him was not very good against that pitcher, and rather than risk, now that I had two men on base... I had to use my pinch hitter much earlier in the game. I would have liked to keep him in reserve for the end of the game. We often, in our limited sight, see what's happening now. Why is this happening to me now? Why is this happening to us now? And God says, I have hope for the future for you. Please trust my plan. Please trust my purpose. I have hope for you. I, God says, see the big picture. And finally, a pastor tells the story that there was a Korean veteran in his congregation who was reluctant to share with him his story, but after some time, felt comfortable and shared this with the pastor. See, when he enlisted to serve in the Korean War with the American military, uh, 
he had uh, enlisted to be a paratrooper. He thought it would be exciting to jump from airplanes and serve in the paratroopers. But after a few weeks, he realized that this was not for him, and he requested a transfer out of the paratrooper corps. The army complied, but was not happy with his decision. And before he got sent to Korea, they put him in what was called the Grunt Squad. It was a punishment squad, and every day they marched for miles and miles and miles, and at the end of the day, they dug foxholes. And that's all he did for the time between leaving the paratroopers and going to Korea. He marched miles every day, and he dug foxholes every night. Well, there came a time when he and his squad were on a hill, and they were told that they had to keep the hill in spite of a large number of Korean troops coming. And some of the men had never really learned to dig foxholes. And yet this man was an expert. He dug his foxhole and he helped some of the others. And the fighting was so severe that the next morning when the smoke cleared, literally, there were only four of them left because he had known how to dig a foxhole. In fact, when the British Marines came to give reinforcement to their site, they almost got shot because the British Marines did not believe that anyone could have survived. It was very cold at that time in Korea, and he was given the opportunity to either march in the truck, or ride in the truck, or march next to the truck. And some of the soldiers had already had frostbite and were, were in danger of losing their feet and their toes. So he said, no, I'll walk. And as they were driving back to the base, a mortar shell hit that truck and all the men in the truck died. And he was saved because he had the stamina to march those extra miles. And he said that he did not understand God's perspective, God's picture for his life until he realized that within a 24-hour period, he had been saved because he had been banished to the grunt squad. See, friends, we don't know what it is that God has for us, what God wants for us. God wants to heal us from our blindness. So if sin has blinded you from seeing Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, why don't you take today to make the take the opportunity today to make that decision and say, my Lord and Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I'm blinded by my sin. Please let Jesus love, compassion, sacrifice, and redemption on the cross work for me and make me one of yours. Or you can accept that God wants the best for you no matter when bad things happen, that this world, my friends, in two or three or seven or eight weeks or months is going to be a different place. But God has called us to see it with his eyes and to share his good news. Or, if you are blinded by your past, by the things that have done to you in your past or the things that you have done, by hurts, by family, by 
your employment, anything that could separate you from seeing the love of God. Take today and say, God, heal me and heal my relationship with you and with others. God is in control. God has a plan and a perspective, and we may never understand what it is. All we can do is trust. Amen.